Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting. Happy Friday the 13th, Brent. Sure is. A happy Friday the 13th, or that it is Friday the 13th? Both. Yeah. Very uh, fitting uh, for the subject at hand here today, I guess. Right? In terms of... Um, Ill omens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ill omens and uh, foreboding material. Yeah. Because today on Podcast for Two People, what are we talking about, Brent? Eternal darkness. Hey, Silicon Knights. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But I'm, I'm more into Eternal Darkness than Silicon Knights. Yeah. Fuck. Yes. This isn't happening! Alright, so our journey into mic. madness began on June 24th, 2002. Don't worry about that. <laughs> on the GameCube, the best Nintendo system until the Switch, which is absolutely my humble opinion. Uh, but also my humble opinion, this game, this fucking game, in my opinion, is in my top five games of all time. Absolutely. I don't blame you. Uh, but why? Because it's fucking great. Yeah. Let's, so let's, let's fucking talk Name another talk game about like it. it. Uh, you know, honestly, like, I can't because my top five, um, just above that is Resident Evil 1 Remake for the GameCube. I mean, in terms of, like, it takes a survival horror yeah. formula. That, see, that's just it. It's, like, in my top five, that's the only other game I can say is, quote-unquote, like that. Yeah. Let's but take it, puzzles, monsters, and terror, and fucking jam it down your throat. It, yeah, it, 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 it twists on like the survival horror, quote unquote, formula. Oh yeah. And then you know it makes it into something really, 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 really great and unique as fuck. Yeah. So let's let's look at how that came to be. So it was developed by Silicon Knights, written and directed by Dennis Dyack and Ken McCulloch. Uh, who also assisted in writing and then was also credited as the artist. But everyone involved with the game is to thank as they gave us an amazing title that is a product of a perfect storm equation. Not on the level of Turok, but still, it's it's a decent one. So it also included some of the best voice actors in the fucking business, too. Uh, many Metal Gear Solid character voice actors worked on this game. They include David Hayter, who was obviously the voice of Solid Snake, but uh, in this title he was a uh, pious, pious Augustus. Augustus. They uh, they also had the uh, the pride to work with Cam Clark, who was Liquid Snake, Paula Eating, who was Roy Campbell, Jennifer Hale, who did uh, Naomi Hunter, and Kim, my guest, who was uh, Mei Ling. So they all had various uh, various characters in the game, uh, not. Like, most of them weren't as memorable as Hater's character. They're simply just chapters of the game. They voice different Which is characters. really cool. I, I really like how the game was laid out. It's like we're following this, in short, a cult. Yeah. Uh, throughout History. centuries. Yeah, centuries and centuries and centuries. Yeah. So one of the big reasons why this game is so fantastic is that the look and setting of this game is out of this world or rather, out of this time. So let's hit the finer plot points while that's on our mind. Yeah. So how does how does the game start out, Brent? You, uh... Okay, right in the beginning, 
Right in the fucking beginning. It's a nightmare sequence. Yep. Of the uh, suit, the main protagonist, Alex Roybus. Do you remember what time she wakes up? Of course I fucking do. Yeah, of course you fucking do. Because it's followed me throughout my whole fucking life ever yes. since I played that game. Yes, Okay, can we talk about that just yes. briefly? 3.33 a.m. A.m. The darkest fucking point at night, literally called the witching hour, 3 a.m., uh... How many times at night have you woken up and it's like Anytime I just randomly check the fucking time. Oh, yep. it's 3.33. Yep. And you just get a little terrified. Just I'm like, okay, um, I better watch my back. I'm probably yeah. being followed. Yeah, exactly. Like, probably being there's, watched. There's probably something... There's probably something crawling on my ceiling about ready to fucking rip my head off. you yeah. and decapitate you and then no I've one I've never seen able- anything like it in my 20 years on the force. We wouldn't have called you here, but uh, there's no dental records to check. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, she gets a phone call. Al- Alex after, after a sweet nightmare sequence where you're just blasting zombies with a shotgun. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that as well. Like, yeah. literally, you're just blasting the... This is how you're introduced, though. Yeah, you kind of get like a... You're kind of just like, alright, play the game, idiot. Yep, you're fuck playing. off. You're in the game, play it. And, of course, uh, when you start, like, when you initially start the game, you get a very disgusting and terrifying intro... Uh, talking about the muscle, blood, and sinew. Yeah, you get a uh, uh, Pauline um, uh, narration. Yeah, what's uh? I'm having a hard time remembering his name now. His character's name. You're talking about uh, the uh, the professor. Yeah, Professor Roybus, but oh, his uh, his actual name. Yeah, I played the game so many times, but now I just can't remember. And apparently, you can't either. <laughs> right. Not Alfred. We need to know, so we're going to find this out. Because <laughs> I remember his great-great-grandfather's name. Great-great-great, I'm not sure how many greats. Uh, there's, yeah, there's the father of Maximilian, who is Aaron. Oh, yeah. And then Maximilian. Uh, and Edward. Edward. Edward Rivas is... Okay, so... He's our narrator. Paul Eiding voicing, um... Edward Edward Roivas. Edward Roivas in the beginning. Slash narrator. Yep. Yeah, Slash he's like, narrator. He's like, yeah, it's it's affecting my life. He's like, I'm also dead. That's true. Yeah, he like straight up says like, he's like but yeah. this isn't my story. It's not a story of the Roivas family, but it's a tale of like evil. Like, I can't remember what it, the word he uses, but he is probably like, like something like sheer fucking terror and. Uh, but he talks about the story like, of time. Yeah, and I think that he briefly uh, touches on, or at least the visuals do, like the binding of the book of the Tome of Eternal Darkness, like the flaying of human flesh and the cleaving of bone. Um, And then when you start the game, we get the the audio clip that we played at the uh, beginning of this episode, Mm -hmm. which, holy shit, that really Really sticks. Yeah, it really sticks with you. And it sets the fucking mood. It's super fucking memorable. At least, like, I mean, I, I certainly don't forget it. And I played it 16 years ago. I got mm-hmm. it that summer. Yep. I can't remember how I heard about it. Right. I think maybe I think there might have been commercials on TV. I was like, whoa, that was fucking cool. Yeah. Little, yeah, I feel like I had no idea what the fuck I was getting into, though. I don't think anyone could have. I mean, I was into horror games at the time. Like, I was getting older. I was like, all right, yeah, no, I can deal with it. I'm a big tough guy. Yep. Because, like, I remember Resident Evil 2. Mm-hmm. I couldn't watch my brother play it. 
Yeah, I remember uh, you had talked about this on a previous episode, yeah. watching him get mauled by, like, a fucking... The beginning zombies. Yeah, yeah, in that, and, like, in that bar seen... scene or whatever, they break through the window or No, whatever. it was just straight up, like... Or just in the very beginning. Right in the beginning, yeah. Oh, gross, yeah. yeah. Oof, duh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a grotesque scene. Yeah. And, and so this like, game is full of those. Yeah. So, yeah. I was getting... I was like, uh, I, 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 I developed a taste for horror... Oh yeah, in horror games and this really like, media, it really it's like this it, looks right up my alley. And, and little it did I know the palette. Yeah, it's like little did I know how much it would really resonate with me. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then like shape what you wanted out of a game in the future. Yeah. Um, I think that yeah. Uh, again, like I, I said, this is in my top five games. This is a stepping stone. It's the backbone of what I like in video games. Uh, it's really hard to forget. Um, I always get enamored with a person when when they say like, "Yeah, I know that game. I fucking love that game." It's like good. Yeah, good. We are now best friends. Yeah. Let me talk to you for the next three hours. Yeah. Uh, but other other than that, like, so what brought this game to us, and how is it presented? that made such a, a big impact. Well, it's like the ambiance, the setting, and everything like that. We were briefly talking about this. Alex Royvis goes to um, Rhode Island to her last surviving family member's mansion, mm-hmm. the Royvis Mansion. Which and, has uh, been around for like probably like the founding of America, pretty much. Right. We know at least uh, 1700, yeah. I believe, when uh, Maximilian Royvis's uh, father, Aaron Royvis, I believe, built the mansion for reasons that we'll get to in the plot here very quickly. Uh, however, anyway, you play as Alex. Uh, you find out that your grandpa's dead. Uh, you're the last living horribly, family. Horribly murdered. Horribly, grotesquely murdered. This old man just... Very bloody, completely decapitated. His body is like eviscerated. There is no fucking head. At three thirty-three a.m. Yep. By the detective. Yeah, which is weird because like later in the game, yeah, after you play Edward's chapter, yeah, um, it does a fast forward to like that night. Mm-hmm. And it's also at three thirty-three. Yep. The so in the span gets... of thirty seconds, let's say. Yeah. He looks up, gets murdered, and the police are already there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing, like, no, uh, time dude. has gone by. Uh, I believe that Alex, get this, was actually, um, I believe that she was in Seattle. Yeah, she she starts in Seattle. Which would be... one thirty-three. Yes. Yeah, uh, three hours, technically. Well, it's 3.33 there, so... East Coast is one hour from the center, which is us, and they're two hours behind us. So it would have been 6 a.m., Mm-hmm. 6 or 7 a.m. When she actually got there. On the or, eastern seaboard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like when they called her. I wonder if they thought about that. They had to. They had to have. If they didn't, that'd be... Oof, like, God. oh, did I write this game? <laughs> yeah, oh, did I write this game? <laughs> Oops. Yeah, so... Did, I, look, did I overlook important little details? So through like our that? bumbling, I think that we are able to explain that essentially, like, he gets killed at 3.33, then several hours later, the cops call her at exactly 3.33. Yeah. Uh, so who called the cops? This guy lived on his own. Right. Um, kept to himself. Yeah. Some eternal darkness magic, maybe? Yeah. Or perhaps just a plot hole. Which we'll come to find... That eternal darkness magic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as to not ruin the uh, facade. Yeah. 
of, of the game. Um, There's always so a reason. When Alex gets there, she gets like a. She doesn't even really get a note, does she? She's just like, okay, I guess I'm gonna. Yeah, like the look po- around. The police, the crime scene investigators are there. The detectives, like, yeah, hey, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what the fuck happened. There's no sign of forced entry. Um, there's no evidence of a struggle. Yep. Just this decapitated corpse. Right here in the foyer. Yeah. Like, no blood anywhere else. He's like, just yeah. this. Like, it's like, I just like, I've never seen anything like this in my 20 years on the force. Yeah. He's like, well, Most thanks, for, thanks for identifying don't. the body. Yeah. yeah. Like, and the only way that she was able to is that he had the, yeah, the Rivas family, family ring. ring yeah. yeah. Which right. is in his inventory when he plays Chapter, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so she walks around the mansion. She yeah. goes up to the, then the study. Then the, the game properly begins. You're, Alex, it just has a little text box that says, like, I'm going to find out what the fuck happened. Yep. She goes up to the study. She sees the ghost of her uh, granddad. Um, after you've been wandering around for a while, lost. Yeah. If you can't figure it out, mm-hmm. then, like, this is how I, this is how I figure it out. Oh, okay. I was wandering around, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I can't do anything. Like, I'm, I'm checking out all the rooms that I can check out right now that aren't locked. Yep. Um, which seems kind of weird, because, like, the police were there. How did they not, like... Sweep? Yeah, <laughs> like, how did they not lock... Unless the darkness... How do they not see the stained glass window with the glowing rune in front of it? (laughs) It's, like, sitting there. Now that, like, I'm talking about it and actually thinking about it, it's, like, okay, that's a little weird, but, like... Right. I'm checking out the observatory with that puzzle that you don't solve until end game. Yeah, literally the end of the game. And then I go back to the grandfather clock. Yep. And then it's like, oh... In the study. And then it's like, oh, looks like you can turn these. Well, the fucking grandfather. And then it's like, okay, I guess I'll turn him again. Yeah. And then, no, he doesn't He doesn't appear as a ghost quite yet. No, I think you do see his ghost. Yeah, because he starts out at the clock, and then he walks through the wall. Yeah. And then after a while, it's like, once the game decides that you're stumped. Yeah. His voice calls out to you. 333. Yep. And then you change the clock to 333, and then, yeah, you open it up. Yep. So, again, like, the time he was murdered... The time it's also the caught. time that he set his clock yeah. to open his secret compartment into his private study where he collates all this knowledge of this cult. Yeah. In short, it's like the quickest way I can explain that. Yeah, this uh, strange dead god cult. Yeah. Uh, which is very called the Eternal Cthulhu. Darkness, I guess. Is, do they call it the Eternal Darkness? Well, the Tome of Eternal Darkness. The tome of Eternal, yeah, it's like yeah. he has the Tome. Yep. And Which has reason, been handed to him and has been passed through many hands over the course of, uh, like... Uh, 2,000 years. Yeah, 2,000 years. Yeah, cause the because game, the game starts in 2,000. Yep. Which is really important because the planets are aligning. Yep. In so, such a way. Yep. As, like, you know, many, many things... Which we is what like, the, whole, oh God, the, plans, the whole plan set into motion 2,000 years ago are supposed mm-hmm. to come to a head. Yep. So, like, when we when we first find this book and everything... That I, hope, the game, I hope everybody's keeping up here. <laughs> right? The game actually unfurls its uh, disgusting tendrils uh, and seeps into our brains. So... Alex picks up the book and begins to read from the very beginning, yep. which we actually start with Pius Augustus, who is a Roman centurion uh, who ends up stumbling onto like a strange. He gets called. Yeah, he, he gets... starts hearing voices. Yeah, like, like come to us. 
Yep, come to us, and he finds, he finds like a strange little it was like pillar five, things. Yeah, that spell out a spell. Yeah, <laughs> and fucking, you know, he gets teleported. You go through a very like a uh, a tomb essentially. A very clean looking tomb. Very clean looking. Which you'll be tomb. returning to very often. Many, yeah, many, many times. Which um, is like a lot of people would criticize that as poor design. However, it changes it over changes time. It changes up so significantly. Yep. Um. Yeah, and like you, you also you feel the passage of time. Each and you time. also like that familiarity that you get with that tomb. It's familiar, but different. Yeah, and not only that, but it's not like oh, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. It's oh fuck, I'm here again. It's like I yeah, I'm here again. I can't. Oh shit! This passage is blocked off now, or like yep, this puzzle's different now for some reason, or right. Like, yeah. I've got to use this specific spell to you know get around and everything. And like, like you'll that. find like unexplored areas. Like oh, this wasn't around the first time I came here. And the items that you would actually find in these different areas as well would pop up throughout the game. Yeah. So, such as uh, the statues that you would find in some of the earlier uh, um, games, I believe. I don't want to say the wrong character, because I, I would be... I'd be sad if I got it wrong. It has been a long time since mm -hmm. we played through it. Uh, I'm trying to remember who originally finds the effigies in that tomb. Kareem? I was going to say Kareem. Because, uh... I want to say it's he's Kareem. The he's the earliest character that you go back to that um, tomb. Yeah. And those statues then pop up again uh, somewhere around, let's see here. It's like early it'd like, be, feudal Spain. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you're like a, I'm thinking of it, like, was his name Edward or Eduardo? No. You're talking about... Ra uh, Raul. Are you talking about the architect? The architect. Uh, uh, B. So it's with a B. Benito? No, it's not Benito. That was the name of the Dark Souls character. Oh <laughs> my god, it was! Sorry, sorry I just... Oh my I, god! I had to point out, I had to point out, I'm sorry. It, that's, that's, that's actually literally for two people. Yeah. I'm not even joking around anymore. That's not even a thing anymore. Um, no, he had like a really goofy-ass Italian name. Uh, but the statues, yeah. they show up throughout uh, a couple different areas. Uh, once in, in that guy's game, and then again in Anthony's as well. Anthony's in the, like, fucking, it was like a Catholic church. Yep. Yeah. And it's like the, the knight and everything like that, the different colored statues and everything. Um, so anywho, uh, they have a lot of these reoccurring, uh, games. Uh, and she wasn't in, uh, not games, sorry. Themes? Not themes, no. These items that would uh, oh, yeah. show up throughout the like game in different basically. chapters. Yeah, it was to kind of tie everything in, tie all the characters together to make you notice, like, okay, everything is literally on a linear path. That when my hand actually manipulates this, it sends a ripple through time. To kind of then draw you back to what Pius Augustus had begun. Because when you play as Pius Augustus, what, what do you do when you get to the very, very end of his chapter? Which is somewhat short. You, you fight a whole bunch of zombies. You, you bust destroy, up that statue. You destroy a statue of yourself. Uh-huh. And then you are uh, and then at you, uh, a staging you get, area. Yeah, you go into the, the infamous hallway. Yep. The bad one. That's a bad one. 
And then when you come out of that hallway, you get to make your choice, which actually is so fucking cool. It's almost like a... Uh, it's probably the game's, like, difficulty. It almost. really... It, it, it kind of is. In a way, it is. Like, yeah, like, you, uh... I don't know if you call it dip much. Like it's, it's, it's you choose one of three different paths. It depends on the way you like to play. Yeah, you know, uh, if if you pick, you have three choices. I feel like it sorry, we should we should really fucking actually put some groundwork here. Yeah, yeah. You pick one of three quote unquote effigies that represent the three old gods that Eternal Darkness is about. That that the, the game completely centers itself around. Yes, and there is one other god, but we'll get into that somewhat in the plot here. But we have Zelatoth, Shaturga, and Ulioth. And you pick uh, each one, and they all are color-oriented. Yeah. Zelatoth is green. You have Shaturga that is red, and Ulioth that is blue. Yes. And then what happens when, say, I choose Zelatoth? Uh, Pius chooses whichever one he chooses, mm-hmm. and is immediately... Killed and warped into a killed horrid, and like resurrected as a servant to that dead god. Yeah, it's like a really powerful servant, the Black Centurion. Yeah, yeah, and he looks like a fucking dope ass like yeah Centurion skeleton zombie guy. He's terrifying. Yeah, uh, he also you know like He's no really longer mean. talks like himself. He talks like this. Do not worry about this world. This kind yelps in terror at the sight of your mightiness. We will dispose of him. Ourselves. Which is absolutely fucking terrifying, and you're going to hear him a lot. Um, also, uh, just to go into the character that we were talking about before, because I hate forgetting names, um, Roberto Bianchi. That's it. Bianchi. Um, he was the uh, architect of sorts. Uh but yes, and what was, they were uh, doing in that chapter. He was Venetian, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, making a giant pillar made out of fucking bodies that they kicked into a hole that, like, would just... Imprint fuck. their horrid final moments yeah. into the tower somehow. And guess what? Roberto Bianchi gets to be the last one fucking kicked, or at least one of the last ones kicked in. Yeah. He comes out of the tower to tell the guy, the foreman, quote-unquote, that, oh, yeah. oh, my God, you have no idea what's down there. And then he's like... Alas, Mr. Bianchi! And shows that he is actually Pius Augustus using some crazy devil magic and then gives him the fucking boot into the tower. And that's terrifying. Uh, Every time you finish a chapter, something small or something big changes in the mansion because between every chapter, you get to play as Alex. Yeah. It doesn't let you forget who the main character is. You learn what the characters learn. Yes. Whatever... Anybody who possesses the book pretty much picks up where the previous person left off. Yeah. It is literally a giant shuttle relay. I don't know if we mentioned that. Every playable character in that game, their chapter truly begins when they pick up the Tome of Eternal Darkness. At some point, uh, they will just get whisked away into the the hallway. The hallway. The hallway. Where you walk on human screaming faces. Yeah. And all you can hear is screaming. There is a statue of every character that came before you uh, lining the hallway. Yeah. And then at the very end... A withered corpse hand unfurls itself and hands you the book. Hands you the book, to which you actually have to choose to pick it up. And then what happens when you pick it up? 
You get the twisted fucking. You get the twisted uh, visions of every other entities. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get caught up basically. Yeah. You get everyone's like crazy bullshit that they suffered through. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Just like. And then just. (laughs) Yeah. Like one instant. Yeah. You understand. Yeah. Like oh fuck. And then you're back to where you were, except now the servants of Eternal Darkness, whichever god that uh, that Pius had chosen to uh, yeah, sacrifice himself you. to, are now actively hunting you. Yeah, because now you are the keeper of the Tome of Eternal Darkness. Yeah, you're, the, you're one of the chosen few. Yeah, all leading up to the used for him. Right, and then when you would finish, you'd go back and you play as Alex. Like uh, for instance, we were talking about this tower. Uh, to also, her she left, uh, Alex finds the chapter pages. Oh yes, and yeah. I think that's probably how she she gets the knowledge. Then yes, then you she, do have to unlock those. She reads their entry, yeah. quote unquote reads, uh, because uh, Bianchi's was hidden behind the architectural picture of the tower. Yeah, it like you can move it or it falls or something like There's that. There's a bunch of little puzzles that kind of cor- like correlate to the. Puzzle like a puzzle that you might have just did in the and they're chapter not, before. They're not menial, but they're they're not like you learn to recognize them because of the chapter, and and mm-hmm. then like it's like okay, now I can do this. Yep, it's all like a trail of breadcrumbs, and it's fucking it's really well awesome. Done. It's really well done. It's incredibly well done. So overall, like you go through all these chapters, and they're all so fucking good. And we're not going to take up the entirety of the time to. to we could. <laughs> we could easily walk you through every character, and oh fuck, I do some gotta, of the fun. I do. I feel like I gotta talk about a few of them. I don't know. You lead the way, Peter. Though. Let's talk about Peter. Probably, that might be my favorite one. Peter is uh, by far one of the most terrifying. Yeah, uh, it's World War One, mm-hmm. Battle of the Somme. Yep. In this Catholic church, which you've been playing previously, um, yeah, World War One's happening. Uh, you're in a church that's being used as a as an aid station. Yes. And all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah, you're just a field reporter. Yeah, yeah, you're a field reporter. Yep. Because like the only thing you've got is like a, a fucking, flash pan, a fucking flash pan with flash powder that is incredibly finite. And does nothing yeah. as far as damage goes to your uh, to your enemies. Yeah, you uh, come in contact with the ghosts, the corpses, and everything else of the previous uh, characters. People you had, that were in that cathedral. Martin Luther. Yeah. Uh, you run into Martin Luther. You also was his name run... Martin Luther. It was Martin, wasn't it? It was Martin. No, it was. It was it just Luther? It was Luther, and he was a Martin Luther monk, I believe. Yeah. Um, it was something to that degree. Was it Anthony? Anthony, kid, I believe, was... Kid. Yeah, he was the one who was supposed to bring the scroll to Charlemagne. He's like, don't look at it. And he's, he's like, Charlemagne's <laughs> eyes I'm really, really curious. Like, oh, I'm a jovial boy. I'll look at it. And then he's like, ah! And, in, and like, throughout that whole chapter, he begins you to are, age rapidly. Yeah, and like, you, you're just... You are turning into a corpse. A walking corpse. And somehow he becomes immortal and becomes almost like a, oh, a yeah. protector of, like, do not fucking go here. Like, yeah. he fucking tries to hold you back from actually continuing. Getting the tome. Yeah. You have to, like, defeat him to get the tome, don't and you? And he's got the two-handed, double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah That will fucking kill you very fast. Yeah. Uh, you get Luther's mace. Uh, throughout that, you see the statues again uh, in the cathedral basement. There's a lot of really fun puzzles. 
And then what happens at the end of Peter's story? Actually, Peter makes it out. Peter makes it. You're thinking of Luther's. Uh, yeah, I'm saying like. Wait, am I? Yes. Does he actually make it? Yes, Peter makes it. Is Luther the one that gets stamped? Luther gets straight up fucking stomped. He sees the fucking boss Guardian. that you fight as Peter and just shits his Oh, pants. that's right, yeah, because Peter is able he's to like, kill it. He's just like, mother of God, and then just gets crushed. And that's how that chapter ends. Yeah, uh, yeah, most of the time you're going to watch your character fucking die or have a very gruesome a, fucking A fate, fate worse than death, almost. Yeah. Uh, I would say yes, because Luther... You know, Peter makes it out because he goes to Edward and recounts his tale. Oh, that's right. When he's yeah. an old man. yeah. Yeah, and like Edward. Is I mean, like, no, it's, it's just it's just really awesome how they tie all these characters together. You couldn't have done it better. The storytelling is really amazing. I know that uh, you know it's not necessarily the most unique story because Lovecraft came from you know it's, early nineteen hundreds. If you want, it's it's at the time of this recording, it's the best uh, mythos game that you can play. I would and agree with that. And it's not even the mythos. Yeah, it's not even the mythos. This uh, Dennis Dyack. Uh, we have our own opinions on the man, but he was able to create an amazing mythos game with uh, exceptional storytelling. Uh, the team that pulled together all the sound and ambiance and made this game—the game had amazing sound. I think it even it even like swung its dick about. It's like we got five point one Dolby Digital, bitch. Yeah, and it was terrifying. Um, so let's talk about some of the some of the terrifying points of this game um, as far as sound and everything goes. Uh, overall, let's close up the plot. So you go through all the characters and everything, um, to which you then find out how the tome got to uh, Alex, essentially, and that there is an artifact that is actually way more important than the book, which can help you essentially stop everything that's going on, and that is the heart of Mantarok. Mm-hmm. Say who? Mantarok is the old dead god that is actually at the in the temple. That you uh, in Cambodia, in Cambodia, uh, that you go to and see uh, as one of the original um, characters here. The second character. Yes. Oh gosh, what is her name? Uh, let's see here, Elia. It's yeah. uh, and it's a temple in Angkor Thom. Uh, yeah. So, the corpse god Mantarok, who's a dying god made to flesh, made out of like. Spines and and meat teeth. and eyes. And, yeah, He's eyes. terrifying. He's literally feeding on anyone that he can when because they come it, by. Yeah, because it's because decrepit. he's dying. Yeah. yeah, he's dying. He's not wanting to, but he's the only god. He's the most powerful god of the old gods, and he essentially kept the three: Chaturga, Zelatoth, and Uliath in check. Yeah, like away from fucking with Earth, basically. Yes, and Pius was the one who uh, enacted the old gods' want to turn Mantarok into flesh because they gave him ultimate magic power. And that's, <laughs> yeah. It, it, fucking it story, man. Comprehension. It does. It does. And, um... So, throughout this whole game, you know, like, you're, you're fucking going through these people who end up getting fucked and everything. Uh, Dr. Edwin Lindsay finally gets through that whole area with Mantarok after coming back to, uh... The area which was originally yeah, visited in 1150. Too, he? he made it out too. Maybe. This was 1150. Did he get the Gladius? Uh, he may have, actually. Uh, I can actually tell you here really quick. So, he... Elia was in 1150. Yeah. Then, finally, we go back to there in 1983 with Dr. Lindsay. 
uh, who then, um, he almost gets killed by Pius, uh, who disguised himself as that guy who looked like, uh, that dude from Who Dr. Framed Dude. Ro- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who looks like, uh, the guy from, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And then, and yeah, they have a firefight, and it's kind of funny imagining There Pius. was a firefight! Yeah, and you got, like, Indi- not Indiana Jones. Is Elliot? Yes. And then, uh, so you get through the whole fucking thing, and that, that was probably... That might have been my favorite fucking chapter, actually. I fucking loved Edwin Lindsay. Plus, that's where you can actually get the Mantarox uh, rune. Which you can miss. Which you can absolutely miss, because you have to come up with the spell you need to, learn a to spell make before the you summon know the trapper. Spell. Yeah. And then get through the little maze thing, get rid of the horrors, and then you can get the Mantarok room. Yeah, which the horrors. Is the most, yeah, that's an enemy type. The horror. The horror. A three-faced, awful, Hulking. muscle boss god thing that will crush you with magic. That if you don't know fist. what you're doing, it will fuck you up. It will kill you so hard. So, uh, anywho, um, he ends up, uh, Dr. Edwin Lindsay en- ends up delivering uh, Mantarok's heart to Edward a few weeks after getting it. He's like, I know that uh, you need this, <laughs> I guess. And then two years later, Edward is then visited by uh, Peter Jacob, who gives an account of his experience in Amiens uh, before handling, handing over the artifact to him. Um, so yeah. he gives him... What does he give him? He does give him something. That's true, yeah. Does he give him the... No, he gives him, like, whatever, uh... Like, whatever, um... Symbol of the god that you pick, doesn't he? Yes. I believe so. Uh, let's see here. Give me one second. Ah, uh, yes. Because, uh, when Peter fights that guardian, the black guardian, uh, and defeats it, he recovers that artifact, which is the artifact of the god. So he gives the, the artifact of the god to Edward... And then he ends up getting the Heart of Mantrox. So Edward now has pretty much all of the tools that he needs, other than the book. Because the book changes hands one more time when the Canadian firefighter Michael Edwards uh, tries to extinguish several major oil fires in the Middle East uh, following the end of the Gulf War. Everything fucking blows up. He ends up in the Forbidden City uh, and has to, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he has to like fight through the pillar of flesh and then he sees Roberto's spirit who entrusts him with the artifact uh, in his possession instructs him to take it to the Roivis family well yeah you get all three don't you in, uh, throughout yeah. no matter what yes yeah. yeah because each character ends up finding one one way or another yeah and then uh, a few months after escaping the city uh, and like trying to blow it the fuck up yeah the forbidden city let's talk about that a little bit uh, it's terrifying. It's basically Earlia from uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And it's right under the Roivis Mansion. Yeah, uh, it's a sprawling necropolis filled with uh, terror and yeah, an awful, indescribable awful geometry. things. Yeah. yeah, undescribable geometry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's another point that I want to hit in my favorite parts about the game with Maximilian's... Uh, when Maximilian encounters that, he's like, okay, I'm coming back here. And I'm bringing my boys. Yeah. And then what happens to him? Uh, he's too crazy, and crazy people don't deserve wigs. Yep, they throw... The darkness comes! May the light eat your eyes! The darkness comes! <laughs> uh, so... Yeah. Uh, like, it's some of the best fucking writing ever. 
Yeah, it's such a good chapter. He, like, you, you kill the thing in the end, and he's like, okay, that thing was fucked up enough. There's gotta be an army of them down here. Yep. And, like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back with an army of my own. So, yeah, he goes out, and he probably rants and raves yeah. about all this Same, shit in like, his house. Yeah, and shows and everyone it, his book full of things talking about, hey, by the way, and later, there's, like, pe- there's things in the skin of people. Yeah. After after he murders his servants, yep. because they were being possessed by agents of the, and when the, you think possessed, you think Ooh, spirit going in the body. No, it's no. a it's a it's a creature that dives into sickles you. for hands in, into your skull. Yeah, yeah, it cleaves open your spine and then Assumes crawls you. into your body yeah. and wears your skin like a fucking suit jacket. Yeah. And then it just fucking does the thing. Part of his chapter is going around and, like... Killing the servants that are walking at you funny. If that we're also not mentioning, uh, probably the most notable uh, mechanic of the game... Sanity meter? Sanity meter. Uh, every character has a certain amount of sanity, and when you run out... Really bad gets, shit happens. The game gets weird. It gets so fucking good, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, which honestly a lot of like little twists like they the camera goes like fucking askew uh, sometimes like literally like twisting yeah. while you're going through a hallway and you're like Ugh. um your character will like mutter to themselves yeah and like, uh, yeah like they just completely gone um you're, you'll sometimes be walking and then all of a sudden you'll get smaller and smaller and smaller until you just like you know like blood yeah <laughs> Uh, oh, your body parts will fall off. The, the game uh, is known, perhaps best known, for its hallucinations that you you will experience throughout the game. Yep. Um, the, uh, your volume on your TV will, like, you know, like, okay, so you might remember your old CRT. Uh, so, like, when you turn the volume down, either it's a white or green bar, it says vol, and then, like, your bars, and you'd have to hit it a few times for it to go down. So that would come up on your TV and show the bars going down, and yeah. the game would actually go to, like, quiet. Yeah. And then, oh, turns out the game was actually just fucking with you. The game was just fucking with you. Uh, in Dr. Edwin Lindsay's chapter, you go through a hallway, and it looks like it's just, like, there's literally just shotgun shells over and over and over, and you're like, dope. Yeah, just like, oh, yeah, picking all this shit up, and then, nope. Yep. Just start out uh, at the beginning, and, like, it's like you should have known because most hallways are full of uh, traps and zombies. Yeah, like... And poison darts and Like, gas. I'm picking this up, my oh, is too good to be true? Oh, yeah, exactly. Then I'm also thinking, like, it's just, like, some weird, like, did I do the hidden thing to get a fucking treasure trove of ammo? Right. Uh, your head nope. can fall off, and then you have to go and pick it up, and, and then you have to, like, have... Recite. Uh, poor fucking, Yorick. Yeah. The grave digger. <laughs> and then, you know, you put it back on your head. But it would always flash to white... And then it would go back to where you were, and then your character Roughly, would yeah. typically either just like start some, shouting, some or screaming, of like this, this isn't happening. Yeah, which is why I screamed like that in the beginning of yeah. the episode. If you're unfamiliar with the uh, with it's the all, series, it's all time back with together. the uh, with the one entry that we got of the game, fuck. Okay, so uh, anyway, at the at the end of the game, you know, you have all of the artifacts you need. You end up uncovering the way to the uh, Forbidden City. This just below your mansion. It's in like a well in your basement. Yeah, it's in like a very secure, magic-barriered fucking basement well thing. Yeah. And then down like, 
I don't know, 20 flights of fucking stairs. Yeah. And there's all sorts of terrifying, awful things. And you battle your way through the Forbidden City. Uh, and then you end up making your way to, like, the final altar where Pius Augustus is like, You fucking witch! Yeah, in space. What? 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 Yeah. And then you fight Pius Augustus with uh, the enchanted gladius that he actually started out... Well, it wasn't enchanted at the time. Yeah. But it was the gladius that he was... That he started out with. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you kill him with his own weapon. Because now he uses a giant spine pelvis... Uh, staff. Yeah. And then um, you guys are doing magic at each other, yeah. which uh, will be touched on here briefly, just one of the mechanics of the game. Um, and then you get, you know, an ending. And then you go through and you play through the other ending also, with like, the other if god. You, if you were killed by Pius in the final battle, they went ahead and did a cutscene for it. Yep. And he's like, oh, I spit at thee! And then he actually would spit at you. Mm hmm. And he actually like, has a, a couple really cool fucking lines when he's uh, when he's talking to a couple of the uh, different people uh, when you're playing with them. Yeah, like when, he, when he plays Elia and he's like, it's like, where's the heart of Mantra, girl? It's like I know, I know, you know what I'm talking about. He's like, I want to ask again, child. Yeah, like he's he really has that air of uh, just being like terrifying. Yeah, and very intimidating and terrifying, like. So here's something. Here's some fun trivia. Uh, do, dealing with the low sanity, uh, if you complete Kareem's level with low sanity, you get a false ending where it tells you to wait for the next Eternal Darkness game. I feel like it does that no matter what. Right. I thought that it happened no matter what. So this was a parody of Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, which actually had a similar ending, and I had no idea of that. Uh, there were a total of forty unique insanity effects, and uh, when we were talking about Roberto's chapter. Pius actually has, like, one of the coolest fucking quotes. He says, I am the scourge of God, appointed to chastise you, since no one knows the remedy for the your iniquity except for me. You are wicked, but I am more wicked than you. These are the words that are identical to the ones spoken by the warlord Tamerlan Cain before sacking Damascus. Like, dope. <laughs> dope. And uh, here's another funny thing. Roivis? Or Rovius? I always said Roivus. It's Roivus. That's yeah. how I say it. Yeah. Backwards is Savior. Ta-da! I never, I never catch that shit. Because right. I, don't, I don't think backwards. I want to think forwards. Mm-hmm. That's me. That's just me. I'm a forward thinker. And it, it was, of course, uh, originally supposed to be a Nintendo 64 title, but uh, the... Um, you know, GameCube development w- happened. <laughs> the GameCube, yeah, was like on the horizon, wasn't it? I'm guessing this was like early. Not only that, but it was also incredibly powerful and would yeah. it be able to actually fit the whole <laughs> game on like the disc and make it look. What you gonna make great. a multi cartridge Nintendo 64 game? Get the fuck out of here! Uh, here's something funny too that I actually didn't catch. So that inspector at the beginning of the game, his name is uh, Legrass, which is the same name of the inspector in Call of Cthulhu. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, which obviously were inspired, this game inspired by. Oh yeah, no, there's no denying that game was, you know, they didn't just like, oh, the what, what's the mythos? I don't know what that Not is. Not only that, but uh, every fucking story that Lovecraft writes, because he lived in Rhode Island, started in Rhode Island. So like, I have a friend that's living in Rhode Island right now, mm. and she's like, Tyler, I'm freaking the fuck out, man, because she's reading through Innsmouth. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, I live right by these places! And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, Lovecraft lived there. That's, stay away from the ocean. Stay away from the ocean, it's alive, and it's coming after you. Uh, but yeah, um, so you beat him, you, you have three endings, mm-hmm. but there is one if you actually go through and beat all three. Because once you beat it again, you can start a new game plus, basically. Yeah. And once you play through Pius' prologue again, mm-hmm. once you go down that same hallway, you'll notice that the one you picked the first time is gone. Yep. The, the, the idol, the icon, artifact, the artifact, whatever the fuck the you want to call it. Idol, icon, I think are better names for the, for them than, than uh, artifacts, honestly. Yeah. Symbols of God. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, they're terrifying. Yeah, each one. They'll disappear. And then when you finally do it all three times, it's essentially like three timelines have overlapped, and then you get a fun ending, which we are actually going to leave to you to either look up or play. I would highly recommend playing it. Yeah, if you, if you haven't gathered, we really like this fucking game. We think you should play it. A lot. Uh, so, that being said, what was your favorite part of Eternal Darkness? Okay, uh, you did mention Peter's chapter. Yep. Um, but I also really like Maximilian's chapter for the what I already said. What I also like is after Maximilian's chapter, when you get the Tome Eternal Darkness, you can go through the bestiary. Yeah. Where it's Maximilian's notes on the creatures that he and encountered. And he narrates. And he it. narrates them. Yeah. And, and they like, are terrifying. Like he's not. Yeah. Like he. Yeah. Oh he, my god. He was just like he. He descended into madness. You gotta yeah, get an slowly. idea of, like what happened to him yeah. after his after his uh. After his encounter with, after, you know, where you left off with him. We might just, like, put a bestiary entry at the end of the episode for shits and giggles. I think that would actually be kind of fun. Uh, So, hopefully we do that. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any other uh, favorite, favorite parts? Because I know I've got two. Oh. All of, uh, I, all of the game, but. All of the game, but, (laughs) Um, yeah. Kareem's chapter is really cool because I liked his weapons. The chakram and then, then the uh, the fucking like, like, in fucking the two-handed fucking uh, simtar. <laughs> Those and what was it the ramdai? Ramdao. Ramdao. Yeah. Yep. It was a fucking uh, uh, decapitator <laughs> slash. Yeah, uh, I only remember it because I think that you got that weapon in one of the Prince of Persia games, and it was like your dad's sword, and it was like strong enough to bust through walls. Yeah. And that sword is fucking dope. Because you could literally just if chop... He did the double swing. Yeah, if you did that, like... <laughs> what you'd have to do... Oh, the best way to use that weapon was to manually target your enemy. Yep. Aim at the head. Yep. And then you do a really powerful attack. Because it attempt. did have it the... Would, uh, it wouldn't just cut off their head. It, it would cut off the entire off. upper half of their body. Yep. And then you can just finish off the rest of it. Yep. Because, yeah, they could... They had finishers. The enemies could be uh, walking pairs of legs. Or yep, they would it. kick you. Yeah. Or uh, if they didn't have any arms, they'd headbutt you or bite at you. Yeah. Or kick you. Slap you. Bitch slap you. The old zombie bitch slap. The old zombie bitch slap. So, mine was pretty hard to pinpoint, and really, like I I said, like I've got two. It's a two-parter. First one is uh, the hallucinations that Alex Royvis specifically experiences. Uh, the three that I remember specifically, and then I'll lead up to the the big one. Mm -hmm. So, the first one, you're in this uh, pretty much like... Nothing to do with anything fucking room. There's a, a locked pantry you have to come back later when you can uh, put a key back together with a spell. Yeah. And, like, grab a page from Maximilian. And then there's a fireplace that you got to come back to later as well. And uh, I think that's where you get, like, um, the saber or maybe a pistol. It was something Maximilian-related. Yeah. Anyway, so there's also a piano that, like, I think you might have heard playing. 
I can't remember. Either way, when you go into the room, you hear tension on a rope. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is that? And then you see the silhouette of a man hanging. I think what I probably saw first was the examine prompt. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, what? That's not normally there when I walk here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you see this man in a tuxedo, of which it's never explained. You have no idea who the fuck this guy is. Yeah, and it's just a, a man hanging, dead as fuck, and he's slowly twisting towards the screen, and then finally, when it looks like he's just about to twist back, he stops, his eyes shoot open, and it just goes, Alex! (laughs) And it just like, and you're like, okay, I want to die now! (laughs) And then, later, you you hear a phone ringing, Um, you're running around the house trying to find this fucking phone, find out that it's in the bottom, uh, like the foyer, which is actually right next to that fucking awful shitty room in the first place that I was talking about, and you have a creepy fucking phone call, and then the line goes dead, which is perfect, (laughs) and then the third and best fucking hallucination, which I guess technically you can actually look over, I think. You can miss it. You can miss it. There's a, there's a bedroom upstairs and uh, there's a couple different key items throughout the game that you have to pick up here, but one in the bathroom is one of Maximilian's uh, journal entries. And if you do a 180, you go over to the bathtub, and it has the examine prompt. And when you hit that... Oh, it goes right in. Uh, it immediately is just screaming at the top of the lungs, and you see Alex cut, like, death by thousand cuts... In a bathtub filled with blood. Yeah. And it just like... Doom, oh, yeah. Doom, doom, doom. Yeah, it did like... It like a hundred like fucking camera angles. Yeah, it does, yeah, like a, like a five increment zoom in. Like. Yeah. And just... Yeah, screaming. Jesus fuck, dude. Yeah. I literally... I was to, not expecting... Yeah, that, I that was, got me. That yeah, I had to set down my controller and walk out of the room for a bit. One of the things I always liked if you left it idle for a while. What happened if you left it idle? You'd come back and it'd just be a fucking... Uh, just a... Uh, Pius's face. Oh, that's right! Just there. Yeah, just Watching there. You. Yeah, like, if you just fucking set your controller down, you were like... You had to pause, you had to turn the old wave bird off. Yep, and then you fucking just go have a shower, maybe make a sandwich, come yeah. back, and then fucking Pius just looking at you, smiling. It's... There's no audio. I think no audio. Besides whatever may have been in the room at the time. Maybe, yeah. And I think... I think... I think once you, like, press a button again, like, it does, like, the... The you're, hallucination flash, yeah. yeah. And then, boom, you're right back in it. Which is really, it's like, oh, like, you thought you were going to see, like, where you left off? Yeah, no, yeah, so you come into the room and you're like, oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, like, this isn't how I left this. So, secondly, is the casting of spells using the runes and the tomes. So, throughout the game, you're collecting all these runes. And, uh, like, they all have, like, crazy fucking, like, dark ritualistic names mm-hmm. and they all have different things and combinations like a, a and stuff. lost language yeah so uh let's see here <clears throat> oh yeah he's been waiting <clears throat> i have been ben karak pargon santek pargon pargon Rudolf, pargon and it would just get so fucking intense and then all these runes would like flash up in front of you and then like Maybe you're dispelling the area. Maybe you're making a shield. Maybe you're making your weapon cool. And, like, just these different voices for depending on, like, what god you had. Like, Zelatoth was all like, Pargon. Except that was, I guess I can't really do Pargon, yeah. I can't do the chick voice. Mine was more like Mantarok, Uh 
which was more like Mandarok. Yeah. And Shaturga was all like, rah, 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 rah. it was growly and creepy. And Chaturga was really important because I was like, what gave you health? Yeah, exactly. Uliath was all about the magic. Mm-hmm. Magic with a G I C K. Uh, so overall, without a K, it's just cheap. It is. It's, it's just it's parlor tricks. This is parlor tricks. It's uh, fucking shaking your magic wand and making a whole bunch of petunias come out. So overall, Eternal Darkness was not a commercial success, but mm. it was supremely well received. Nominated oh, yeah. and won several awards, uh, namely from GameSpot. It was awarded for best sound, best story, and best artistic graphics on the GameCube, which is. Absolutely deserving all Look, these awards. Real quick, the game had an amazing soundtrack. It was fucking nuts. Every every like every stage theme had like every character had a really good theme. Like Maximilian's was really dope, even though it like mm-hmm. wasn't really fitting with this time period. Yeah, <laughs> there weren't really instruments uh, being used there, but that was a really cool one. Um, what I remember Kareem's most is was like really fucking the dope. Ambiance too. Yeah, yeah. Like really good use of Once, string when you enter and like grass. the Forbidden City. It's, oh fuck! It sounds like you're in a place you're not supposed to be. Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, like they definitely fucking um, knew what they were doing. Peter's chapter in Amion. Mm-hmm. You hear World War One happening outside, basically. Yeah, it's screaming, shelling, um, constant shelling because it, it's, it's during the Battle of the Somme. Yeah, and like Which the is nurses like, that are pulling people away in the middle of the night. Never to be seen again. Yeah. You find out that pretty much every nurse and oh, doctor is being room? possessed by fucking skin crawlers. The old, the old skin crawl. You remember that room? I think you go in and then like you turn on the light and it's just like where they've been storing dead bodies. Yeah, tearing them shreds, eating them, whatever yeah. the fuck they're doing to them. It's like you, can you imagine walking into a room like that, turning on the light, and be like, "Oh," turn on <laughs> and just walk right yep. out. I I don't need anything in here. So, however, it's it's not all so cut and dry, nor is it all good, Mm-mm. as far as the game goes. No, sadly, there's a lot of horse shit that we've got to save. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't that manually save... That game did not save, Yeah, if you didn't manually <laughs> save, you, you fucking lost everything. I, I remember, oh, probably back in, like, 2009, 2010, I was like, dudes and bros. Yeah. I have a game I need to show you, like... We're, I think we just played like Resident Evil Five, mm-hmm. and you know we we're all kind of back into like horror games. And like, I got one for you. I got one. I bet you ain't heard of. Uh huh. Um, Eternal Darkness. So what do they think about Eternal Darkness? Um, they liked what I showed them because I fucking died in Maximilian's chapter and I didn't save at all. Oh. <laughs> I was like, well, it's a really good game if you just gotta remember to save. <laughs> it gets really fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, like that's a that's probably the chapter that I had the most hard in, uh, hardest time in because flintlock pistols. Uh, Maximum is slow as fuck. And it's like you fight multiple horrors. Yep, there's two horrors in the foyer. Yeah. At one point. That you have to kill. That you have to kill. If you're good enough, you can like let them kill each other. Oh yeah. But it's, yeah, they're conflicting. If you're fucking patient. They're conflicting gods or whatever. Yeah, but typically the one that's going to die is the one that you're stronger against. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it's like, well, at least the other one's damaged. Yeah. And that'll happen a couple times in the story. Uh, but, like, looking looking at the game as a whole, like, let's look at what it truly is, and it is almost identical to Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu. 
mm-hmm. like from researching these artifacts, hearing about things. Oh, what's this all going on? And then hearing let's accounts try, of yeah, yeah, hearing accounts of people Secondary that have accounts, yeah. yeah come in contact with these people. Uh, someone dies, you fucking got to go look into that. Oh, they were studying this cult. What's this all about? And then more people get involved, and now we're in the Forbidden Island, the island of Ulia. Forbidden Island. That's a punk group song. Forbidden Island. Uh, so then we, we we end up like accidentally waking up Cthulhu. And then we gotta deal with that nonsense, and I mean, it's it's essentially like, oh well, Chaturga's here. We gotta deal with Chaturga, mm-hmm. it, so on and so forth. But um, overall, like you said, as far as Mythos games go, it's the best one. Yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about Silicon Knights. I wasn't looking forward to that. I know. I'm sorry. Um, hey, they did. Uh, they did Twin Snakes. They did. With uh, Kojima, they did a fantastic job. Yeah. Like, that right there is also in my top five, which is kind of funny for me to put three uh, GameCube games in my top five. But uh, it's there. It's, it's fucking amazing. I love it so much. Codename Komodo Dragon all day, every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, like they, they, they showed their worth pretty well in that title as well. Um, then what did they make? Well, they did a couple things yeah. overall. I mean, like, you know, we got Legacy of Kane and all that shit, but uh, let's talk you know about what, what they... You know what I'm talking about. Fucking too human. Too human. Uh, which was too bad that they made that fucking game. Too shitty. So, uh, the, the really big problem that they, they had with uh, with Too Human was... Um, a lot of things. A lot of things. Like, uh, I actually bought it and played it while it was really cheap. Platinum hit for the uh, Xbox. You used a right stick to uh, attack your enemies. You had a skill tree. You had a morality tree that was uh, very much so like Mass Effect. Um, how human did you want to be versus how much like a tech person did you want to be? Like, how integrated into cybernetics you were. Uh, overall, they were using the Unreal Engine 3. Uh, I believe three. it was three. three. Yeah, uh, I thought that was right. I thought that was the right call out. However, uh, they didn't have the rights to do so. And Epic came down, came on, down them on them so fucking hard. Uh, that legal battle started. Um, like 2008, 2009? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I guess if you really want to look at it, it the starts game, in... The game came out in 2008, didn't it? Or 2007? Sort of, kind of. Okay, so, like, basically, in 2007, Silicon Knights sued Epic Games for failure to provide a working game engine, uh, which ex- caused them to experience considerable losses. Uh, they said that Epic Games was literally sabotaging Unreal Engine 3. <laughs> Yeah, uh, really fucked up. So within six months of the Xbox 360 uh, developer kits being released, all of this shit happened. They claimed that Epic uh, not only missed the deadline, but that when a working version of the engine was eventually released, the documentation was insufficient. Uh, The game studio also claimed that Epic had withheld vital improvements to the game engine, claiming they were game-specific, so probably more like as for fucking Gears of War or (laughs) fucking whatever the fuck they were doing at the time. So, uh, while also using licensing fees to fund development for its own titles rather than the engine itself, which, I mean, I can see that happening very much so, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a... And yes, it was Gears of War. Uh... 
which then Epic Games then countersued, saying that uh, they were aware uh, that when it was signed, that certain features of Unreal Engine 3 were still in development, and that components would continue to be developed and added as Epic completed work on Gears of War. So therefore, in a statement, Epic said that uh, like they knew when it committed to the licensing that Unreal Engine 3 may not meet its requirement. Basically saying, no, that's on you that our product doesn't work. Fuck you, guy. <laughs> you knew it wouldn't. Um, and then also said that they made unauthorized use of Epic's uh, license technology. So that's where the whole, like, you didn't have our uh, express... Okay. That seems... Muddled as fuck? Yeah, like, I don't know who truly would be in the right here. Right? I mean, it's it's basically Epic was bigger at the time because they made Gears of War. You know, it it had a big-ass splash. They have a history. They probably didn't like, like what they were doing. Right. So, like, this is also about, like, trade secrets, copyrighted works, infringed on intellectual property rights, saying that they were fucking with the code in the engine in order to make it work like it was supposed to, and therefore broke the contract uh, by employing this derivative work in an internal title uh, and a second game with Sega. So, overall, they won, and they won for $4.45 million, and what stuck was the copyright infringement, misappropriation of trade secrets, and the breach of contract. So, when that happened... Uh, they go down, down, down. Like, they're fucking dunsky. So, Silicon Knights is gone, but we still have Dennis Dyack and Ken McCulloch, right? <laughs> awesome! So, they make uh, Precursor Games, which was staffed by many former Silicon Knights members. And they started saying, hey, guys, guess what? We're working on uh, the next Eternal Darkness that you guys have been fucking namoring on about for fucking ever hmm. uh it's gonna be called shadow of the eternal it's gonna be really cool you can fund us this through is, paypal this is what, and like this 2013 2013 yeah. yeah so uh they they started that uh may 3rd actually so like keep that in mind like everything happens extremely quickly in 2013 so they're looking for 1.5 million dollars to make uh shadow of the eternals and it was only going to release for pc and wii u uh, why we <laughs> why 2013 uh, the big reason was because they were working very closely with Nintendo so that they would be able to use I, yeah, everything okay. that they still had trademarked so yeah, I mean they didn't plus two because the whole reason why we didn't get a sequel is because Nintendo's like you didn't make enough money mm-hmm. essentially like yeah it was really well uh, received however you didn't sell a lot of copies we didn't make a lot of money so, I mean, I can understand, but at the same time, Rumbus. like, ah, fuck. But also, uh, you made the Wii U, Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> and you just point out a Wii U, and and then Satoru Iwata just says, please understand. <laughs> May he rip. May he rip. So, the game would be released in, oh, God, this is awful. This is more like Xbox standards, uh-huh. Xbox, PS3, uh, PS4 standards. Uh, it was episodic. They wanted to do it in 12 episodes. It would be like somewhere between two and four hours long. And then 10 days after they announced that, they started a second fundraising campaign aiming to receive $1.35 million within a little of a month. Yeah, I kind of remember that. 
I feel like somewhere in between the 1.5 and 1.35 is the 4.45 million that Silicon Knights like lost and like people had to make up. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so eventually, uh, after only getting halfway through their funding campaign in the first couple weeks of June, um, Precursor Games shut down both campaigns and their official website, refunded all the money, and then promised to relaunch a new campaign in a few weeks uh, that would reveal all the new advancements that they were claiming that they were making with the game, and said, hey, we're going to make one campaign... We're going to show you everything we're bringing to the table. After I imagine a lot of backlash. With After a lot of backlash, especially with two campaigns going for two varying amounts of money. Yeah. It's very sketchy, especially in 2013 when we're looking the, at... The Kickstarter uh, bubbles kind of... Bursting and reforming constantly. Yeah. Where we're still at like the point where people... are people, starting to get a little more wary because there's been a lot of garbage. Yeah, and then like on, on top of that, it's like, okay, so what's Kickstarter for then? Yeah. Uh, tabletop gaming. Tabletop gaming, making cool accessories and shit. Yeah. Uh, need controller sleeves for my uh, Dreamcast controller. Any, anyway, so like later in June, uh, Kenneth McCulloch, who helped form Precursor Games, was a co-writer and then the formal artist on uh, Eternal Darkness. He's the only one accredited for being the artist. Um, well, he's arrested and pleaded guilty on child, uh, child pornography charges. Mm. Yeah, you fucking kitty man. He's into them kitty porn. So the studio immediately severed all times ties with him. As he should. Yeah, that was smart. However, I don't think they think ever that boat actually was already sinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that boat was already sinking. And then when you add uh, kitty porn into the mix, it really leaves you. Yeah, so, however, uh, they decided, hey, fuck it, let's start another Kickstarter campaign on July 25th, aiming for only $750,000, and instead of uh, 12 episodes, the game was going to be released as, like, one 8- to 10-hour game. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, too, that at this point, like, Precursor Games is, like, hemorrhaging employees, so they're, like, losing employees that can actually work on this game yeah. as time goes on. So they're probably like, yeah, they saw what was happening. Like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. Stick around here. I think I'm going to move on. Right. So let's, uh, let's read, like, a, a brief summary of the plot that they had for Shadow of the Eternals. Yeah. So when Detective Paul Becker... It's called to one of the bloodiest gang massacres in Louisiana state history. Only two survivors remain from a brutal conflict between two rival cults. How does fucking now, cults... Now, Tyler, why are we talking like this? It's Louisiana. Oh. Louisiana. Right. That is my mistake. Yep. Please you should continue, have known. <laughs> you see the transition there? It's almost as fluid as like when Pius and his uh, centurion buddies were talking in uh, like Latin. Yeah. And they transferred that's into one thing English. I always, that's one thing I always fucked with that game. Yeah, like, you, you're introduced to these characters, you got two, like, lieutenants or captains in uh, Pius's army, uh, they're, like, walking up to him, there's subtitles for him, uh-huh. and, but yeah, they're speaking Latin, and then, like, mid-sentence, the Latin fades out while English is fading in. Which was a really cool effect. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if they did that for the other characters. I hope they did. I'd have to go back Some and play. Some of them. I, th I think it happened maybe once or twice. Yeah, I mean, like, they've got, like, old Frank English yeah. fucking Anglo-Saxon. They, they did it for Anthony's. 
I thought Anthony. I remembered. Yeah. Was Anthony. it Sydney? Yeah, his uh, his chapter. Fucking good shit. So anyway, um, we've got for some reason uh, rival cults and gang massacre going on. Condemned. Condemned. Yeah. Criminal Con- origins. I'd probably play a condemned game that it takes on after like Eternal Darkness. Right. So Paul also Becker just, like shit the bed like Condemned Two did. <laughs> Uh, goes and, like, interrogates the suspects and, like, their combined recollections uncover the truth about the Eternals featuring an ensemble cast of heroes and villains. Shadow of the Eternals will span over 2,500 years of history throughout Egypt, England, Hungary, and the United States. Prayers will question the perception of reality as they try to balance the mechanics of combat, magic, and sanity events to progress through the adventure. That just sounds like my real life. Right, I'm yeah. always balancing mechanics, insanity. Yeah, and combat. Yeah. And magic. <laughs> and magic. Yeah. Uh, Shadow of the Eternals will take players on a memorable journey throughout time, weaving historical fact with disturbing fiction to create an experience unlike any other. But or in other words... Eternal just, Darkness 1. Yeah, and just like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yeesh. All right, so a nine-minute gameplay trailer was shown. Uh, and creating the I remember game. it was like weird like firehead lady. Yeah, it wasn't fire, but her hair was like done up really dumb. Really, really dumb. Like some oh hello English fucking <laughs> bullshit yeah. going on. Yeah, <laughs> I sip my tea at you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Precursor actually purchased a lot of the art assets from Silicon Knights which were going to be used for the Eternal Darkness sequel, so not everything was lost. Uh, and Nintendo still owned the rights to Eternal Darkness as they were like well as the party. They were like, yeah, yeah we're on board. They were in talks. Like, the Precursor Games head Paul uh, Caparici has stated that the studio was in constant communication with Nintendo, and they were super supportive of it. And, and uh, they're like, yeah, let's see how this Kickstarter does, and then if we like, if that pans out, then... Then we're going to help you out here, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is what a lot of um, Kickstarter started campaigns we were trying to do at the time. It's like, yeah, hey, if, like, we're talking with publisher name, mm-hmm. um, if this campaign does well, they'll they'll step in and they'll do most of the rest. Of right, the, like, the we funding. just need, say, you we know, need 30% like, show of... them that this is a viable market. You guys are willing to put money forward, yeah. so like on and so forth. this is a game that people would buy. Yes. And so, a funny thing is that not only does Nintendo own the, the title, the IP, they also own... The Sanity Meter, <laughs> because Sanity Meter is actually trademarked. It's a trademarked uh, system mechanic. You remember how uh, Capcom tried suing, like, fucking, I can't remember the name of the company. I think it was, like, I think it was uh, Sunsoft. Who the fuck is that? It was a game company from, like, the early 90s. They made a fighting game that yeah. had, like, special move inputs, and Capcom tried oh, suing them because no like shit. like hey special moves are ours we made up special moves inputs and then wow. they're like okay so by that logic you mean you could sue somebody for having like movement keys <laughs> yeah like yeah. yeah like and they got thrown out and that's kind of why we have fighting games because Capcom get, got their ass kicked in court wow well fuck you Capcom I fucking love you yeah. fuck you I love uh, you, but goddamn, you're a fucking dumbass sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I want to throw you in the trash. Yeah. Overall, though, so uh, Nintendo obviously didn't get involved with that as that completely fell through, 
And uh, every once in a while, Nintendo will just like go back to the old trademark office and re-put in their ticket for Eternal Darkness. Like, yeah, hi, we still own this. Uh, it's like they're not even doing, doing it to do anything with it. There's, yeah. Like, this is ours. Like It's kind of like Universal Studios with the Hulk. It's like Fox with Spider-Man and yeah. everything else that Fox ruins. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like the, Nintendo has been questioned uh, several times on um, whether or not they're going to do anything with Eternal Darkness. Like, hey, are you guys going to like re-release this? Is someone working on something? And they, they're always like, no comment. Yeah. Like, they don't say, like, oh, no, not at this time. Or, like, maybe sometime in the future they're just like, no comment. Which is just really weird. I feel like it's a pretty standard business practice. They're like, we neither confirm nor deny that we're doing anything. That's just probably what they pay their spokesmen to say. Right, yeah. It's just like, man, that's so shitty. Yeah. But, uh... So like, the la- we refuse to comment on rumors or speculation, that kind of shit. Exactly. And the last time that they actually trademarked it was late December 2016. And everyone blows the fuck up every time they do it. They're like, oh shit, I wonder if something's going to happen, dude. They're going to bring something out. And nothing happens. Hey, in this in this uh, Nintendo climate, who knows? I fucking hope so. Uh, we're getting a Dark Souls remaster, so I mean... Because fuck it, we needed that, I guess. Yeah, and I'm going to get a fucking Solera Amiibo, so eat my dick. Anyway, um... i to look at it. <laughs> I might as well look at it. I want to look at it. So, Dayak is uh, also considering Shadow of the Eternals as a film and television property, because uh, after the whole... You're not putting enough shit on your plate. Yeah. After the whole debacle with Kickstarter and everyone being like, Dayak, you're a fucking douche. Uh, and well, Precursor if, ends up, like, going if pretty much belly If they didn't go up. into, uh, Dayak, Oh, yeah. What makes him a douche? Oh, we're going into that. Right now? Yeah. So, what do you remember of all the controversies surrounding Dayak? Oh, he got, he sounded off on Gamergate and picked the wrong damn side. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's, uh... That's a different subject that I don't really want to fucking talk about, but Gamergate, in short, yeah. don't. 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 Yeah, I mean, like, that was in, like, 2015. When that he, was, that was, like, really... That big. was a pretty shitty time. Yeah, it really was. In for terms a lot of, like, of gaming. Everything. I didn't feel like a... Climate. I didn't... I didn't... I wasn't happy. That I was, was ashamed. Part of, yeah. To, like, yeah, I, I play video games. Yep. And this is this is something I have to, like... Like, this is what I my, share the air. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah, you know, with like, these other consumers. Yeah. Like, this is... I get lumped in with this now. Yep. I'm a white male in my 20s. This is who I am, I who, guess. Yeah, yeah. So that was in 2015, but like overall, uh, he's he's kind of gotten a bad rap because of everything that happened with, uh, with the Dude, dissolution yeah. of Silicon Knights, with everything that went into uh, Precursor Games, the two Kickstarters that were failed, everything like that. People are like, okay, this guy is like all idea, no fucking strength. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, he likes to talk a lot. Um, so, here's what relevance this twat has. He had a good remark on the future of gaming hardware, and this is, mind you, uh, from an article by uh, Gama Sutra in 2005. So, this is a 13 year old interview. Mm-hmm. He said, I really want a story, really want to find out what's happening, have an experience. Rather than just trying to get to the next level, I think in the future, when bandwidth becomes less of an issue, multiplayer games and single-player games will start to merge. Whether it's cooperative or competitive, there will be an online component to most everything. 
the future of hardware is no hardware. Which, really, he hits, like, five fucking things in one mishmash of a paragraph. Mm. Uh, is that necessarily... Not really wrong. He's not wrong. He was very much so on the point as far as where we are with gaming today. Yeah, like, everything has a fucking online component. Yeah, sadly, I mean, like you mentioned to my stuff, I think fucking like dismay. Yeah. yeah. Like, much my own dismay. Like, sometimes I want to fucking play together, sometimes I fucking don't. Yeah. Monster Hunter is something that is both single-player and multiplayer. Yeah. As much choose. as it is, you know, the yeah. other. And uh, you can literally switch your single-player game immediately to multiplayer. Whenever. Pretty much whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was, he was in a way, a, a Nostradamus in 2005. Uh, but... He furthers himself away from the crowd by blaming video game reporters for lackluster sales with his stance on Gamergate, uh, which we had read an article of an interview Dyack had with Niche Gamer in 2015. And uh, you can see that this is all stemming back from like, okay, this is why no one bought Eternal Darkness. Everyone fucking loved it. It was great. How come no one talked about it? We would have sold more, and then Nintendo would have fucking helped us do this, and Silicon Knights wouldn't have done that, and blah, blah, blah. So he, he wholeheartedly blames reporters for his own shortcomings. Well, I got one. <clears throat> if we're actually going back to, like... I think I mentioned, like, I don't remember how I found out about the game. Right. I know I think... that my brother came home with it, and I was like, oh, fuck. Because, I mean, it's an M-rated game. Yeah. Yeah. Which Nintendo GameCube actually had quite a few of. I can't... Like, I can't remember if I saw a commercial. Uh-huh. I can't remember if there actually were commercials for that game. Uh-huh. Until, like, I started reading, like, Game Informer magazines, which I think maybe that's probably how I found out about it. Right, yeah. Went over to fucking GameStop with... Like, a, saw, like, a review for it. a friend or a buddy or uh, your brother, and you're like, oh, hey, what's yeah. this? Back before, like, Game Informer did some fucking garbage... <sighs> garbage shit i fucking can't stand reading any gamer magazine anymore i know uh, or reading any gamer sites ign kotaku all that shit i hate it yeah. i can't stand it and here's what dyak has to say about that whole fucking thing so unfortunately with precursor there was just so much noise we found several problems, but one of the biggest was that we just couldn't get the press to talk about the game. Most of the mainstream press were more interested in talking about previous allegations and controversy rather than reporting on the game itself. So, before I finish that, keep in mind that he's referring to Silicon Knights going defunct with everything that happened with uh, Epic Games, because Epic Games, uh, even in 2015, was a tad bigger than, you know most things were or are mm-hmm. uh then also mcculloch fucking up and being into kitty porn uh so they want to talk about that uh to be clear there were several groups that really did care about the game and gave it coverage like ign operation rainfall and a few other independent sites the editor of this uh site uh, wanted to add that their website was not live at this time, otherwise they probably would have covered it. Uh, but we found that a lot of press were just more interested in sensationalism and didn't want to talk about the game. Because what makes people read? What makes people click on a link? Yeah. Sensationalism. Like, obviously, I'm sorry that that's the case, Yeah. but also maybe if you didn't fuck up two Kickstarter campaigns, well, actually, technically, 
three tick Kickstarter campaigns within a total of two months. Like over a summer. Yeah, over a summer. Yeah. Like for uh, around like the sound and tune of nearly $3.2 million. Holy fuck. Yeah, of course we're going to talk about that, you fuck. And then on top of that, your buddy, Ken McCulloch, is into fucking kitty porn. Yeah. I'm going to just keep hammering that home because that does make me sick that this guy this had a game hand. That you've enjoyed, yeah, is, yeah, dirtied. Yep. Yeah. The dude that made all these cool visuals that helped write this game. Then again, Lovecraft was a, a profound racist. Yeah. Uh, Very... Very big time racist. So go ahead and enjoy everything, but uh, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Yeah, this is what you're. Uh, this is what you're enjoying. Uh, so overall, Dyak has nothing, and we will likely never see anything from him or Shadow of Eternals anytime soon. As anytime he has been asked, "Hey, so what's in the pipe? What can we expect soon?" He's always like, "Chortle, chortle, chortle." Depends on what you call soon. Was he actually, like, jovial about it, or... Yeah. Yeah, well... Yeah. And he definitely chortled. Yeah? I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, that's a... got an insider scoop. Yeah. The chortle. The chortle watch. Chortle, chortle, chortle. (laughs) So, in closing, if you could have anything, literally anything you wanted out of this series, as far as a continuation or re-release... What would you have? Like, literally nothing is off the table, Brent. Your perfect vision. You asked me earlier, but I really still don't know. Yeah? Like, I, I definitely want to see another one. Right. Realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Like, uh... Then again, like... Question know? being, do you want to see Shadow of Eternals? Like, Paul Becker, your rival gang cult oh. shit? Or do you want yeah. to see, like, something better than that? It's really Shadow of Eternals doesn't it's, it's a spiritual successor, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially the same world yeah. as Eternal Darkness, but, but not. it's not Yeah. It's uh so, I mean Eternal Darkness one it's your ends. Yeah, it's your Call of Cthulhu, Innsmouth, Dunwich Borders, it's yeah. all the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. You're not gonna hear about Alex Royvis, that's probably true. You're probably not gonna find the tome. Mm-mm. You know, it's, uh, see, in that, to me, if I could have anything, I want to see the tome again. Yeah. I want to... Yeah, have the tome appear in, like, not eternal darkness. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, like, uh, show me that, and, uh, of course, um, I said this in multiple episodes now, and I'm going to just keep hammering it home until maybe somebody listens to me, but... Uh, we're in the new golden age of Nintendo. Yeah. The Nintendo Switch is more than capable of playing a very nice-looking Eternal Darkness, and I would love to carry my Switch around the house with me, shitting my fucking pants, uh, screaming like a little girl again, and uh, also having the chance to play it cleaned up again on a Nintendo system. I would buy that game a hundred times over. Um... Otherwise... I think Nintendo should do that, just to like, hey, remember this game? Yeah, I mean, you have the trademark, you have everything you need. Uh, maybe Dennis Dyack can make five bucks. Yeah. You know, like, he's probably... Buy some mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> just throw uncooked mac and cheese at him. Just, yeah. And he'll be like, mm, 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 mm. 
Otherwise, uh, you know, my idea as far as like, you know, hey, maybe give the title to some fucking young new upstart. Yeah, I'd rather see like a fresh take on it. Yeah, give me a fresh take on uh, the tome I mean, I, like, of Eternal Darkness. I couldn't really be like, yeah, like disappointed if I'm not really expecting much out of somebody. Right, I'd be like, oh, okay. I'd be happy enough just to see like, oh, hey, like it's technically the same universe as the successor to Eternal Darkness. Right. And yeah, like, I'd be like, okay, cool. Wasn't planning on seeing another one of those anytime soon. And here we are. Nice yeah. little treat. Yeah. And so I would say the cherry on top of our Sunday. Let's end with uh, this terrifying entry in Maximilian Royvis's best cherry on a truly horrific creature. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> There are worlds beyond this one, worlds as we've never seen, nor can we. Our eyes do not open far enough. <laughs> try it. Try holding your eyes open. You can try holding them open as much as you want, but you'll never see, never ever see the world beyond the veil. The veil of reality. It's there to protect us from them. The ancients, the darkness, that which we cannot understand. Nor should we. Welcome the oblivion of ignorance, for to have knowledge is to be damned.